Welcome to the Success in Medicine podcast. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata, co-author of The Successful Match, and I'm here with my partner and fellow co-author, Dr. Samir Desai. And on today's episode, we wanted to talk about letters of recommendation. So right now, as we're recording this, it's April, and a lot of our students are gearing up for the residency match in September. And one of the most important factors that determine your success in the residency match relates to letters of recommendation. And on today's episode, we wanted to talk first about letter writers, specifically, who should you ask? How do you ask for letters? And also beyond letter writers, uh, specifics about the letters, such as how many letters total you're going to need, the content of the letters. So Samir, let's just start with the very first question, which is, who should you ask for a letter of recommendation? So, Rajani, since most residency programs will be heavily emphasizing clinical work, the letters that are most meaningful to these programs are letters written by physicians who have supervised you doing your clinical work. So, the typical things that you do on a day-to-day basis related to patient care, taking histories, examining patients, presenting cases, writing notes. And what's most important is that you have substantial time with that particular physician or attending so that they can draw upon that experience to write that meaningful letter. So somebody who knows you and your clinical skills very well. What about if you worked with somebody who was a researcher? Letters written by research mentors can have value in the residency selection process, but most, if not all of your letters should be written by attendings or physicians that have seen you in the clinical arena. That doesn't mean you can't obtain a letter written by a research mentor, but If you do, it should generally be one of your three or four letters that you're using to apply to residency. And one of the things that I know a lot of students ask about is, do you need a chairman's letter or does it help if you have a letter who's from a professor as opposed to an assistant professor? Can you talk about those factors as well, sort of rank of your letter writer? That's a great question, and rank of the letter writer is a factor to take into account when you're deciding among the people who you would like to have your letters written by. The thing that I would say about that, Regine, is that you should ask yourself, what is the nature of your relationship with that chairman or that professor? Because there is this temptation to get a letter from somebody who has that kind of stature. Uh, The feeling is that that would carry a lot more weight. And it can if you have worked with that person on a very close basis. But if you were to just obtain a letter from a chairman or a professor, and that's not based on that type of relationship, then that letter may be very generic and may not be particularly meaningful and could actually hurt your chances instead of enhancing your chances of a successful match. I think that's a really important point, which is that it may not 
actually be neutral. It may actually be harmful because if the person on the receiving end is reading that letter and it's basically three lines and it's incredibly generic, uh, you know, I think that would hurt your chances overall. So I think that's a really important point. And let's talk even more. And, you know, one of the factors that's even more important probably than rank of the letter writer is if that letter writer is known to the program. Can you comment on that? Absolutely. So having a letter written by someone whom the program knows can have a very powerful effect on your chances of uh, receiving an interview and also can affect the way in which they rank you. And the reason for that is when somebody that they know uh, very well is advocating for you like that, that is very, very important to these residency programs. Because again, the programs are trying to determine what are you going to be like as a resident? And on day number one of residency, they hope that you're going to be able to do the tasks that you're going to be expected to do on a daily basis. So if there's someone that they know that's writing about that, that has a very powerful effect. I have to really second that. When I was on the selection committee at the Baylor College of Medicine Dermatology Residency Program, we would receive, you know, in general, the ratio is about 100 applications to every one position. So if you're looking through, let's say, 400 applications for those four residency positions, and then I came across an applicant with a letter written by Dr. Madeline Dubik at MD Anderson Cancer Center, who I know personally and who I really um, respect her opinions. If she writes an incredibly glowing letter, that becomes extremely valuable. So I think that um, if the letter writer is known to a program, that can be very valuable. Do you have any advice on or let's actually get into advice on how to ask for a letter of recommendation. Do you kind of want to start with the basics here? Yes, absolutely. So what I would tell students to do is to always make these requests in person. This is an important part of the letter of recommendation asking process, because when you do it in person, you get to see how that attending or physician reacts to your request. And you're not only interested in what he or she says, but how they say it. Because you want to find out from that interaction how strong of an advocate they are going to be for you in this whole process. And that's incredibly important because as you and I have both seen from reading letters of recommendation, some of the letters are very generic and do nothing for your application at all, and others go into great detail. And you can feel that that letter writer is a really strong advocate for this candidate. So uh, essentially what you're saying is that you should send your letter writer an email or a phone call ahead of time asking for an in-person meeting where you can then formally request the letter of recommendation. Um, correct? That's correct. And I would say that if an in-person meeting can't be arranged, the next best thing is to do a video or phone call because again, although that's not as preferable as an in-person meeting, that's going to be better than making your request via email. And one of the things that you and I talk about in our chapter on letters of recommendation in the book is the importance of asking 
can you write me a strong letter of recommendation? Because it's really important that you give your potential letter writer an easy way out. So if the letter writer is a little bit on the fence, they don't know how well they can really write about your skills and qualities, um, asking specifically, can you write me a strong letter, um, gives that letter writer the ability to then say, well, you know, I, if you don't have any other options, I am happy to write you a letter, but it may not be as strong since I don't have that, um, that close experience with you. Um, it may not be as strong as it might otherwise have been. So I think that's an important uh, word to use in your wording. Samir, I also wanted to ask you about timing of asking for a letter. Is this something that you would want to do at the end of a rotation, or do you need to wait until uh, you know, you're really getting ready to apply for residency and then come back to your potential letter writer? What I always tell students is that it is important to ask for a letter towards the end of your experience. And the reason for that is that at that point, you have built a, quite a relationship with that attending. Assuming that you've been working for, with that person for four weeks, he or she has seen you demonstrate a variety of qualities, different skills that are of value to residency programs. And you should be along the way soliciting feedback about how you're doing but by the fourth week of your rotation, that's the time to ask. And I also can tell you my own personal experience and why I, I feel very strongly about doing that before your rotation ends. Oh, please, share. So when I was a third-year medical student, I was doing my internal medicine rotation. This was fall of my third year of medical school. And I was still about nine months away from applying to residency. And at the time, I was not sure of my specialty choice. I liked internal medicine, but I wasn't sure. And as part of my internal medicine rotation, I had this wonderful one-month experience in endocrinology with a fantastic teacher and clinician. And I worked with him one-on-one -on -one for this period of four weeks. And so... I did not ask him for a letter of recommendation at the time, but then I came back six months later. Now, mind you, this was just a few months before I had to turn in my residency application. And I asked this attending, you know, would you feel comfortable writing me a strong letter of recommendation? And so I was there in person to gauge his reaction. And I was very surprised when he told me, you know, Samir, I'm so sorry, but I don't feel comfortable writing you that letter. And the reason is that it's been quite a while since you and I rotated. And I hope you understand that I do work with a lot of students. And so it would be difficult for me to remember the specifics of what you did during that rotation. And I don't think I would be able to do justice to the letter. So I remember, you know, going through that. And, and obviously that wasn't a, a good feeling. And I I had to scramble in those few months that I had before I had to apply to find another letter writer. And, you know, that's never a good feeling. But on the other hand, as you now realize, he was really doing you a favor because um, he was really looking out for your best interests, um, making sure that you had that strong letter that you needed for your application. Yes, looking back, absolutely. And the moment didn't feel so good, but he was telling me that you know, this might not be the best thing for you in terms of presenting, you know, 
myself as strong as I could through the entirety of my application. And that really brings up another mistake as well, which is that you really need to give your letter writers a lot of time to prepare that letter. I know when I'm sitting down to to write a letter of recommendation, I do it over a process of weeks. So I like to, I really take these letters very seriously. And so what I'll do is when an applicant brings me information, I will sit down with that information. I'll read it. I'll start to make an outline of uh, materials that I remember about the applicant qualities that I remember. And then I'll go back a little bit later and I'll create a draft of the letter. And then I'll go back a little bit later and I'll polish up the letter. And uh, most of the students for whom I write letters of recommendation are students that I know very well and students in whom I feel very invested in their success. I really want to be an advocate for them and I really want to see them succeed. So when I am writing this letter of recommendation, I'm taking it very seriously. And in a way, I consider it my job to sort of market this student, um, to really highlight those skills and to do it in such a way that that student really becomes very memorable to a program. And that's not something I can do quickly. So along with what you're saying, I think one of the other important things to really think about is that you need to give your letter writer plenty of time to create that strong letter of recommendation. And Samir, I wanted to sort of segue into that next question, which is how many letters of recommendation total do you need? Programs generally ask for either three or four letters of recommendation. Applicants should realize that you can't submit any more than four letters to a single program. So let's talk about that a little bit further because there are some nuances to this. How many letters of recommendation can be uploaded to EROS total for your, you know, for your overall application? You can upload as many letters of recommendation as you want into the system. But when it comes time to apply, you will have to pick and choose which three or four of those letters that are available you're going to send to any one program. And how do you know whether it's three or four? You can find out whether to send three or four by visiting the program websites. Residency programs in general do a very good job of spelling out how many letters they want. And you want to be very careful about what you're reading on those websites because some programs are very specific. They may say, we only want three letters of recommendation. Uh, or they may say, we would like to see four letters of recommendation. But one of the things that you don't want to do is show a program that you can't follow their directions. So if they are stating clearly, we only want three letters of recommendation, you need to make sure that it's only three, correct? That's right, because you will encounter some language on these websites that says, you know, if you send a fourth letter, we will not consider one of your letters. And that could prove to be disastrous if the fourth letter that you've sent is one of your key letters. And what about specialty specific letters? If you are applying, let's say, to general surgery, of your three letters, how many should be from general surgeons? So there are specialty specific differences in how many letters should come from specialists in that field. So with your example of general surgery, what is typically recommended is that all of your letters come from general surgeons. 
So either three or four letters. And uh, that information is also typically found on the websites, correct? That is. You'll see that spelled out on the surgery residency program websites. Uh, you may see a small percentage that might be willing to take two, but the residency selection literature in surgery has consistently shown that the letters that are most valued by these programs are letters written by surgeons. This just brings up the the point that it's so important to start your residency match planning at least a year or more in advance because you really need a lot of lead time to determine who is going to be able to write your letters of recommendation and then to be able to approach them. And if you're looking for three letters from surgeons, I mean, that really requires a lot of planning. And we mentioned general surgery as an example, but um, certainly with a lot of the other specialties, it's very similar, isn't it? Where of the three letters, they do request that all three come from that particular specialty. That's right. So your point about planning in advance is so important. Uh, these are things that you need to be aware of months before you apply so that you can create a proper timeline and make sure that you're involved in the right set of experiences that will get you the letters that you need. I wanted to talk also about the content of the letter. So, you know, I have a saying that's in our book, which is that you can't tell your letter writers what to say, but you can there are ways to remind them of your qualities. And can we talk a little bit more about that, how you can gently influence the content of the letter without ever telling your letter writer what to say? It's a very delicate process, isn't it? But let's talk about how we recommend you do that. It is a delicate process, but most letter writers are very receptive to their students wanting to help them produce meaningful letters. And that's something that our students will see as they move through this process. But you have to be very careful. You have to tread lightly with this. And what I would say is the first step here, Rajani, is to ask yourself, what are the qualities and skills that are highly valued by the specialty? And that does vary from specialty to specialty. So while there are some qualities that these specialties all value greatly, things like hardworking and interpersonal skills and communication. There are differences between specialties. And once you've identified the qualities that are highly valued, then you can start to put together material for your attending that reminds them of how you highlighted these qualities during your clinical experience. And when you say put together material, you know, what we're talking about is our patient example list. And when you are writing or when you are requesting a letter of recommendation from an attending, you are going to be providing them with a packet of information. And that packet will include information such as your CV, um, your AMCID number, perhaps your personal statement, but it will also include this patient example list. And this is so important. Can you talk a little bit about that example list? Yes. So as you mentioned, creating a packet of information to provide your letter writer is 
very important in this process. And in addition to the CV, and some letter writers may ask for a personal statement, yes, you want to take the initiative to provide this patient list. And basically what this is, is a list of some of the patients that you were involved in the care of during your experience with that letter writer. So you're going to have stronger memories of those patients, much stronger than that particular attending. And by including that list, you're going to be able to describe to the attending what you did in that patient's care and the type of qualities you were able to demonstrate through your involvement in that patient's care. And then by providing that information, that's going to remind the attending of the different ways in which you shined. And when he sees that list, he's going to remember that particular patient. I, I think that's such an important point. Um, and it goes back to what I like to say, which is that as a letter writer, I think a lot about the importance of adjectives versus evidence. So you could have one letter that just includes a ton of different adjectives, and that's not very memorable and it's not very powerful. But when I'm writing a letter, I really think about how I can provide evidence to back up all of those adjectives. So not just that, um, you know, Lisa has a very strong sense of intellectual curiosity, but I will state Lisa has a strong sense of intellectual curiosity. And when we had a case of a patient with blastomycosis, the very next day she came in with having done this very extensive literature search and provided our team with this information and that information. So that's what I think of as very important in my letters um, to make them more memorable and powerful. Are there any other examples um, like that that you'd like to provide? Yes, I would. But before I provide an example, I want to highlight something that you just said, which is incredibly important. When you look at letters of recommendation, it's very common to see content that praises the applicant in different ways. What is often lacking in these letters are the stories, the examples, the anecdotes. And those, that is the type of content that if it's in the letter and it's, and it's there, it's, it's really backing up the praise. It's making the praise more believable and it's making the residency program feel like these very specific contributions you made, this is what you're going to bring with you if you're a resident in that program. And it just makes the residency program feel like this letter writer just knows you so very well. And that's an important part of this whole thing. And I think that goes back a step further, which is, you know, and these are not the sort of things that you're going to be able to necessarily remind your letter writer of, but it really goes back to how you perform on your clinical rotation. That really informs that's the most important factor in the letter of recommendation is your performance on your clinical rotation. And we talk about that in our book, Success on the Wards, about how you can take these extra steps to really highlight your skills and qualities and your clinical skills and qualities, things such as making presentations, things such as doing literature searches. All of those can really highlight those skills, which will then be helpful to you when somebody is giving you an evaluation and later writing your letter of recommendation. So um, thanks, Samir, on that. Another 
other area that I wanted to talk about in regards to letters of recommendation is a practice that I believe is becoming more common, where when an applicant asks their letter writer for a letter, they are sometimes being asked in turn to provide a draft letter of recommendation. So um, what are your thoughts about that practice, Samir? I agree with you, Regine, that this is something that has clearly become more common. When I first started as a faculty member at the Baylor College of Medicine a little over 20 years ago, this was something that I would occasionally encounter. But as the years have passed, this is something that has actually become quite common. And I think students should realize that this might be a position they find themselves in. And when I talk to my colleagues who utilize this practice, and I ask them you know, about their thoughts for why they do it this way, what I hear consistently is that they wanna do a good job for their students. They want to advocate well for them. And they view the student writing this draft as a means for them to eventually produce the meaningful type of letter that residency programs covet. So it could then be a good thing because you're able to provide certain types of information. But on the other hand, if you're an applicant and you're sitting in front of a letter writer uh, and you're being asked to provide your own draft, that's a very challenging situation. Uh, what would you say to a student in that situation? It, it is a challenging situation. And I've talked to so many students who have been in this position and there is a lot of stress and uncertainty associated with it because while it's an opportunity to provide some important details and content for your letter writer, writer to utilize it can be scary because most students are inexperienced in this area i mean that's exactly how i would have felt well, if I had been asked to do this when I was a medical student. And so there is concern that the draft that is produced won't be the optimal type of draft that leads to the letter that the student really wants. And so what are some of, you know, what is some advice that you would provide to a student then in this situation? What I would say to students is, you know, to utilize the resources available to them. So there are a few schools that have provided some uh, guidelines to their students who have been asked to do this. But when you search the internet, what students are gonna find is that there's a relative lack of formal guidelines about how to write these letters. And the reason for that is that there hasn't been a lot of formal curricula or education for attendings to write these letters of recommendation. And so the one danger area that's that's there related to this is that uh, as you search the internet, you may find some resources that um, may not be the best to utilize in producing your draft. And so if a student was to prepare a draft letter, I know you and I have talked about this. Sometimes one recommendation is to show that to a mentor before you provide it to your letter writer. Um, can you discuss that? Yeah, and that's a great point is that students often have some wonderful mentors 
And if you're fortunate to have a mentor who's very seasoned, who writes a lot of these letters at your school, one option that you might have available to you is to write your letter draft and then ask your mentor to give you his or her thoughts about what you've developed. And then that may allow you to determine if you've developed the type of content that residency programs really seek. And that's a really challenging thing, obviously, for a student to to know um, is what sort of content is it that residency programs are looking for? And I know at MD to be Connect, you and your company have worked with applicants one on one to help develop draft letters of recommendation. Can you just discuss briefly some of your best practices in that process? So what we do is we really dig deep with the student about their experience with the letter writer. And that's really the key to developing a compelling letter of recommendation is to really understand what the experience was like, exactly what the student did, and really find out the ways in which the student excelled. So we're aware of the qualities that every specialty is looking for in these letters, and they do vary from specialty to specialty. And what we do is to try to identify specific ways in which those students demonstrated those qualities during those experiences. So we have the students fill out a very, very detailed questionnaire, and then we analyze that questionnaire. And if there's not enough information there, we'll go through a process where we'll get the student to uh, add even more material. And it's that process that we go through before we even sit down to write the letter that really allows us to, to develop a powerful letter of recommendation. And I'm really glad you discussed um, specifically the qualities that the specialty is looking for. And I think that's something that students don't realize is um, necessarily don't realize how important that aspect of it is. You know, what are the qualities that your letter writer is highlighting and what are the evidence, what are the examples, the anecdotes, the stories that they are using in their letter of recommendation to highlight those qualities? And, um, and that brings me to our upcoming episodes. So um, I think this was very interesting to talk about letters of recommendation as a piece of the entire residency match application process. And um, in upcoming episodes, we are going to have a number of episodes devoted to each specialty. And as I mentioned before, we have a number of specialty-specific guides on our website, thesuccessfulmatch.com. But um, I think we'll do a number of episodes sort of devoted to each specialty to sort of highlight some of the, you know, some of the broad areas that students need to be aware of. So thank you very much to our listeners. To reference some of the information that we discussed in today's episode, please see our website, thesuccessfulmatch.com. I'm going to put links to some of that information in the show notes for today's episode. If you'd also like to see our residency match guides for each of the specialties, we have further information on the same website. If you'd like to see more about our editing services, that information is available at mdtobeconnect.com. 
So I thank you for listening today. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata here with my partner, Dr. Samir Desai on the Success in Medicine podcast.